0: You don't need special gadgets to be a hero. With unlimited 1.5% cash back on every purchase everywhere, the Capital One Quicksilver card makes you the hero of every purchase. Whether it's headphones, a lounge chair, or even a well-deserved massage. Whatever the Quicksilver purchase, you're the hero. No fighting bad guys, getting in epic car chases, or parachuting out of buildings required. Simple, isn't it? The Capital One Quicksilver card. What's in your wallet? The National Sales Event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the
1: perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car, like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive. You can count on your new Camry to get you anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla. With a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more National Sales Event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go
0: places. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. I didn't know we were podcasting about dolphins. (laughs) That was my bat. Oh, I thought it was a dolphin. No. No? That was a bat. Well, then why are you wearing your dolphin running shorts?
1: That has nothing to do with bats and <laughs> everything those? to
0: do with Dan Marino. They probably still have
1: those. Dolphin running shorts? What are you talking about?
0: Yeah, I remember the little, uh, like, real runners, they still wear those shorts. Or, or maybe it's all spandex now, like, super tight. Okay. But they used to be just, like, a little wispy piece of... Uh, of but they were called dolphin shorts? Well, I think that was the brand. Mm. Um, no, I wasn't familiar I with so those. I remember. But, you know, things were... Uh, you know, the right gust of wind could reveal sure. lots of things.
1: I know what you're talking about. Huh? Like short shorts. Yeah like, runner real shorts. Real flimsy
0: ones. Real satiny, flimsy, wispy. But and I think uh I think they were dolphin running shorts. And by the way, this this podcast is not sponsored by Dolphin Running Shorts.
1: No. <laughs> it's uh, sponsored by the bats of America. That's
0: right. Which I, I I always have liked bats, but after reading this, I'm so much more in love with bats. Oh, yeah, they're neat animals. It's amazing. And not just like, I, mean, I learned a lot of stuff. I kind of knew about the echolocation and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Actually, here's here's my impression of a bat echolocating. Pretty oh, yeah. good, huh?
0: Because humans can't hear it.
1: That's right. Yep. I just did it really great. Very nice. Uh, Chuck, if you are on the fence, well, not you because you just stated that you're over the fence, clearly in the bat yard. Pro-bat. Pro-bat. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah. Um They never did anything to anybody on purpose, aside from some of them sucking your blood while you sleep. Aside from that. super rare. Um, bats seem to be pretty great animals. And if you're on the fence about bats mm-hmm. and you want to go over to the pro bat side, go onto YouTube and type in bat eating a banana. That's very cute. It's adorable. Yeah. There's also baby bat burrito videos. Yeah. There's, uh, they're wrapped up in a blanket, not a tortilla. Yeah. There's a lot of cute bat videos out there because there's a lot of cute bats.
0: There sure are, my friend.
1: Um, and you might say, no, no, no. I've seen bats. They are as ugly as pure evil gets. Yeah. You're talking about what are called micro bats. The yeah. ones with the crazy nostrils that actually make you me <laughs> gag. Oh, really? Oh, yeah.
0: I think they're cute, too. I mean, I get it, because they, they definitely look like uh, literary ghouls and fiends. Mm-hmm. but um, Which makes
1: you wonder. I wonder if fiends and ghouls were modeled after those types of bats. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, okay. I, yeah. I
0: didn't realize it was so obvious. Well, no. I mean, it had to, because that's a real thing, and they look so much alike. Well,
1: maybe no one had seen a bat. Well, yeah. And then
0: they make gargoyles, right and they're right. like, what a coincidence. Or maybe a bat just died at the feet of an artist one day, and he's like, oh, man, i got to. Cast this in clay, right, and put it on my front doorstep. I know what you were driving at, though. They are cute in their own really weird,
1: uncanny way. Sure, Uh, yeah. So, but
0: but nothing like the flying fox. Those are legit cute.
1: No, and actually, this article needs to be updated, man. So, bats are um, there's actually bats are the only flying mammals. We should say they're very unique animals. Mm -hmm. Only flying mammals. Wait, what about the penguin? Non flying (laughs) and a bird. Oh, okay. didn't even come close. Gotcha. Bats are mammals. Yeah, um, and they're more closely related to humans than, say, like the fox or the rat or whatever that they're uh, they're frequently described as being the flying version of. Sure. Um, and there's, I think, something like 1,200 species of bats.
0: It's a lot of bat species.
1: And they all belong to the order um, Ch- Chiroptera. which means hand-wing, which we'll get to. Yeah. And then bats typically are subdivided into two suborders. And it used to be mega-chiroptera and micro-chiroptera. Is that not right anymore? No, because science, specifically like taxonomy, Uh used to be kind of dumb. Sure. it was just based on appearance yeah and then once the the field of genetics came along they started like genetically testing things and realizing that that's not a really good way to categorize things
0: like this skunk looks like a raccoon but they're not the same thing
1: right so maybe they shouldn't be in the same order any longer yeah this is the case with bats so um it used to be based on their size megabats and micro bats or mega chiroptera and micro chiroptera now because of genetic testing, some of the very small bats are now in the megabat order, oh, suborder, okay. and vice versa.
0: But those are still suborders.
1: They are, but it, they renamed them to megabats and microbats. Oh, I gotcha. But So, for example, the long-tongued fruit bat yeah. is considered a megabat, but its wingspan is only about 10 inches.
0: Right. It's a little thing. Whereas if you look at the flying fox or the fruit bat uh Asia, Africa, and Australia—those things are adorable, and they are huge. Yeah, like six-foot wingspans on some of these bad boys. Yeah, and the, I mean, I think they're gorgeous. I know, I think it's the wing just terrifies people. Uh, yeah, because it looks like a cute little fuzzy fox, and then he goes, <laughs> right? And unfolds and it unfolds his wings. It, it envelops you and yeah. takes you to hell with it. Well, that's what it evokes. I think is uh is a cape that. Something would wrap around you and suck your blood. Yeah, like a vampire.
1: Oh, I wonder if vampires were invented independently of bats. <laughs>
0: uh, the what is the the cute little guy that the bumblebee um, bat? Yeah, I posted a picture of that fella on Facebook today. Uh-huh. Um, just as a teaser, people didn't know that we we're going to do an episode on it just to get reactions. And most people are like, "Oh, that's super cute," and a lot of people are like. I still wouldn't touch that thing.
1: Well, that's a really good, sensible thing. Like, bats might be cute and all that, but they're also enormous reservoirs for diseases. They're like top-notch disease reservoirs for diseases that you and I can catch, like Ebola and rabies.
0: Sure. And they think uh, one of the reasons is because they, and we'll talk about this later, but they're, they're so comfortable with each other. They just huddle together. Right. Spreading disease on one another.
1: Exactly. I mean, like, epidemic disease didn't take hold among humans until we moved into cities. And even in cities, like, we're still not elbow to elbow. Yeah. Figuratively we are, but not in in reality. Bats are literally elbow to elbow in their colonies. Yeah. So disease just spreads anywhere it wants among them.
0: Yeah. However, about the rabies scare, they are carriers of rabies, but not like people think. Uh, Think. Less than one half of one percent of bats are uh, rabid. One half point five percent, and you're more way more likely like to get rabies from raccoons and skunks and and that. Oh, okay. Uh, well, there you go. Like that. Yeah.
1: that that puts it in perspective. Because I, I like pet any raccoon I see. Maybe I should stop doing that. <laughs> you should probably stop doing that.
0: They bite me a lot. Yeah.
1: You should get checked out. Maybe I should.
0: Uh, so yes, you said how many species? About 1200. Um, and aside from varying in size, uh, like you said, the, just the look of them, like the, the flying fox looks like we said, like a little fox has that long snout. Right. Looks traditionally like a mammal, um, has smaller ears and those little scary looking guys have those huge ears. And that nose that makes you me gag. So here's the thing: like I, I believe
1: that even that is up in the air now that they've started doing genetic testing. What is like that classification based on looks as well? Oh yeah, sure. It's it. The, it's just bat taxonomy is really up for grabs right now. It's a well, really say, exciting time. Let's say, uh, let's
0: say generally speaking, then. Probably. Okay.
1: The one of the other distinctions too, typically that divides these two um, suborders, Chuck, is what they eat. Yeah. Um, the are- micro bats mm-hmm. tend to be carnivorous. Yes. So it includes vampire bats, but vampire bats are not, not all bats are vampire bats, even if they're carnivorous. No. Most bats just eat insects if they're carnivorous. Yeah, like mosquitoes. But uh, mega bats, including those the big ones with the six foot wingspan. Yeah. The flying fox, I think you yeah. said. Um, Those are, uh, they're just hippies. They just eat plants. Yeah.
0: That's it. Like literally nectar and spread pollen. Yeah. It's pretty great. Like birds. <laughs> Why is that funny? It's pretty great. Yeah, it is. Uh, all right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the wing because this is, uh, where my learning really started here. Yeah. Uh, in researching this. Uh, the German word for bats is, uh, <laughs> I
1: expected more from you than that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Really?
1: Yeah. I expected you to put on like a metal hat with like a spike coming out of the
0: top. That translates into flying mice. Yes. For the curious.
1: And people will say that because a bat does look kind of like a flying mouse or a flying rodent of some sort. But like I said, they're much more closely related to humans.
0: Yeah. And you also might think they're like birds because they fly around. Not so. When you look at the wing structure of a bat and a bird... Uh, very different. It it actually, if you look at a human, if you held your arms out to your side with your elbows bent and your fingers spread, huh? And then, then basically you shook your hands. Yeah, like you were gonna do jazz hands right. exactly. And then imagine that there was a, a webbed membrane called a uh how do you pronounce it? Paddedum. Pat- Padded patagium patagium i don't have one of those two those are the wings patagium the, the flesh yeah there you go yeah the flesh of the wing if you held your hands out and did jazz hands but it was all webbed and connected that is way more what a bat's wing it looks like and functions like than a bird's wing
1: right so a bird's wing has rigid bones in it right yes and the muscles that control the wings are located basically at What would amount to your armpits?
0: Yeah, like a socket.
1: So, like, just do the chicken dance real quick and think about what you're doing. Yes. Right? You're, you're, you're not, there's not really any movement in the actual arm. It's all at the the shoulder joint. Yeah. Same with birds. With bats, that is not the case. Because they're basically like winged hands, which is the reason their, their order is named that, right? Yes. Um, they can basically swim through the air. Yeah. Which allows them to, dive bomb and turn and twist and go up and down and go after these insects that can fly really fast which constitute most of their prey oh yeah um, much more easily and they're much more adept at um, maneuvering midair than your average bird is
0: yes absolutely like a thousand times there's no science behind that I would say statistic. even like 1500 <laughs> times okay
1: well I mean if there's if we're going without science let's just say like a million times more yeah
0: a gazillion. Uh, they have little thumbs that extend out of the wing as a, in the form of a little small claw. Mm-hmm. And this is what they use to climb trees. Um, it, it's really neat how they fly. I guess we'll go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. They don't have enough, uh, lift with their wings to take off, like, sitting on a branch like a bird. Right. They don't have, like, strong enough legs to run, 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 run down a runway and take off. So they hang upside down and drop and then start flying.
1: Right. They have like small withered little legs that they basically drag behind them as they crawl.
0: Yeah. And so that's why they climb trees. They climb up to a high launch point. Right. And we'll get to the hanging later because that's super cool too. And then just fall and start flying. Right. And that's and what bats do. That's what bats do. And that's how <laughs> bats fly. Uh, scientifically speaking, they believe that bats um, used to not fly and thanks to natural selection the ones who could leap further and further from tree to tree Mm -hmm. uh, were more successful, and that eventually led to um, that uh, patagium being formed. Yeah, they... they Before you know it, they could fly.
1: Kind of like uh, lemurs or flying squirrels or something like that, right? Yeah. So, like, one of them was born with an extra skin flap, and everyone's like, you freak, and then it flew. Yeah. And they were like, wow. Who's the freak now? Exactly. Look at all these insects I got. Yeah. Um, So they think that the bat evolved, like you said, from a tree-dwelling mammal, which we likely did as well, which is why we're related to bats, most likely. We share some sort of single common ancestor that dwelt in trees. Mm -hmm. Um, And probably bats evolved somewhere around 100 million years ago, is what they believe. But I think the oldest fossils they found are like 50 million and change. Yeah, And these fossils that they found in Wyoming um, show... That the wings are there, but the ears are not developed, which suggests that flying developed among bats before echolocation did, oh, which has been a longstanding debate. Yeah. Did they did echolocation come first? Did flying come first? Or did they both evolve at the same time? And it turns out flying was first.
0: Nice. Well, uh, right after this break, we will talk about that echolocation. How about that? Let's. All right, Josh, we talked about the, the wing structure makes them uh, able to hunt really well, but right. it's really a one-two punch um, along with their echolocation or echolocative abilities.
1: I think that's a word. Is that a word? Yeah. All right. So um, you can maneuver all day long, but if you can't find your prey, <laughs> you, you, you're, you're just doing a weird dance. Right, exactly. Yeah. You're just showing off. Um and the way that bats find their prey, there's a common myth, Chuck, that bats, blind as a bat. Yeah. That bats can't see. Absolutely untrue. Yep. Um, most bats have, like, perfectly good vision.
0: Yeah, like, like exceptional vision even.
1: Yeah. Um, there was a study, some, uh, German study, I believe, that found that, um, bats have rods and cones, which means they can see color in the daylight yeah. as well as, um, like black and white stuff. Sure. Right? Old movies. Sure. Yeah. Um before Ted Turner got his hands on them. <laughs> oh boy. And uh, that never went anywhere. It really didn't. But now it's like they're it's done. Now Wizard of Oz is like gaudy. As gaudy as like the, the terracotta army originally well, was
0: no Wizard of Oz always was both. Because when they get to Oz it's color. Oh yeah you're right. Yeah. What but was Oh Gone with the Wind. I think he did colorize it. He that.
1: did colorize yes. it. Okay. Woof. <laughs> Anyway, can you tell it's been a little while since we've done this?
0: No, I don't think it's great.
1: I can. It's also really hot in here. And it's getting hotter by the second. The more I stall, the hotter it gets. Uh, allow me to continue. Okay. So bats echolocate as well as see. And again, I'm not quite sure. I couldn't find this, Chuck, but I think microbats might be the only type to echolocate. Oh, really? I don't think all bats do. Oh. The reason why is because if you're a hippie, pollen-eating um, herbivore bat, sure, you, you don't need to echolocate your food. You can just fly around until you run into a flower. Right.
0: You know? <laughs> yeah, and smash it and then just like lean over and suck it right. dry. There's some
1: nectar. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if you are seeking flying insects as your prey, then yeah, you better be able to echolocate. And we can actually echolocate. There's a man who um, is sightless who, uh-huh. who can echolocate, and he's a human being. <laughs> he is? <laughs> yeah. I can't remember what, maybe a men's health article on him? Like, this dude just taught himself to echolocate. Did they call him Batman? Uh, probably. Yeah. I don't remember that much.
0: Well, if you've ever been to um, a canyon, let's say a Grand Canyon. Okay. Let's say the Grand Canyon. Sure um and you boom your your voice out there uh please don't say hello or is anyone out there those are you know come up with something better than that better
1: than pink floyd lyrics no
0: if it's in that context then <laughs> it passes okay yeah um, wait,
1: wait what would you recommend for an echo
0: oh man what's oh, your so go-to unique. echo words um definitely not echo i think echo is great it's hilarious definitely not hello you know i would say i would say now batting for the New York Yankees. <laughs> Manny Moto. Manny Moto. That's what I would do. You could also do cock a Do the that? chicken dance. Oh, yeah. That'd be good. So whatever you choose to go with <laughs> <laughs> at your next visit to the canyons, um, you will hear that echo come back to you. And it's basically the same way that bats use, except instead of echoing off of a canyon wall, it's echoing off of a mosquito. Sure. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. When you make sound
1: waves and it travels and it hits that canyon wall, it comes back to you, right? Yeah. And bats do the same thing, but like you said, they're bouncing off of a mosquito or um, some other flighted bug sure. that it eats. And just from standard echolocation, the bat can identify, oh, there's a mosquito there. Like all this other stuff, all the all the other sound that I just put out there came back at a much slower rate than this little spot did. And that spot is probably a mosquito, but it gets way more detailed than that. Oh, yeah. Basically, bat's echolocation um, is picked up, and they're still not entirely certain like what kind of receptors the bat has. I mean, it's like, apparently all oral. Yeah. But in the bat's brain, it creates what would be about equivalent to our visual field. Like, we see light bouncing off of stuff, and yeah. I can tell roughly how far away you are and where you are and what position you're facing or what direction you're going, all through
0: light waves. Yeah, in an instant. Like, we don't have to think about that. Like, right. we see it, and it's there. The bat's not calculating all of this. No. It's just
1: getting this information. His brain is automatically putting it together in what is, amounts, again, to like a visio... a, a, a visible... visio-spatial field. Wow. Right? Uh-huh. Um, and so it knows... There's a mosquito, it's about this big, it's about yay big, it's traveling at this rate in this direction and it's like right below me. And it goes and gets the mosquito. Yeah. All from rather than picking up light waves, creating a sound wave and listening for uh its echo. Yeah. That's it's echo location.
0: It's amazing. So
1: And also I should say, Chuck, it's really good that this is ultrasonic. Um, because the, some of them go up to, like, 120 decibels, which is the equivalent of having a smoke detector, like, n- a couple inches from your ear. That is not fun. No, it'd it shatter your, your life.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's talk about the different parts. Um, they will determine the distance of the mosquito by how long it takes that noise to return. Uh, you and I could do that with simple math uh, at a canyon. We could actually calculate mm-hmm. how far away that other wall is, with maths.
1: You and the canyons.
0: You know? Uh, Location. They can determine where it is and how big it is and what direction it's moving by literally like if uh, the mosquito sound bounces back and hits the right ear before the left ear, Mm -hmm. they know it's going to be the right. Right. That's pretty easy. Um, And then they have all these little complex folds within the ear. It's not just like a big, dumb human ear like we have. Yeah. Um, Lots of little folds uh, that will help indicate its vertical position as well. So if they know it's coming from above, it'll sound different in the ear than if it's below.
1: Right. And again, to the bat, all this is happening automatically. Its brain is putting all this information together, and the bat knows there's a mosquito right below it.
0: That's right. Uh, the size is determined by the intensity of the echo. Something uh, larger will have a you know more intense echo. Mm-hmm. So that's a big fat mosquito that just feasted on Josh, so it's right. got lots of delicious tons of blood, delicious blood,
1: and um, they also use the Doppler effect, Chuck, to determine whether something is going away from it or toward it. That's right. remember the Doppler effect I've mentioned it before and got it totally wrong. yeah, <laughs> let me try again. It's tough. you ready? yeah, so the wavelength of something is is set, it's determined, right, yes. But if something is coming near you, that wavelength has to be compressed in a shorter space. Yes. So therefore the frequency, the pitch increases. If something's traveling away from you, it has a lot more space between it and you to fill up that same wavelength. Yes. That same, that same, yeah, the same wavelength. Uh-huh. So the, the frequency, the pitch goes lower. That's the Doppler effect. Right. I think it's the Doppler effect.
0: Why do I have a feeling you're going to get emailed that people are like, oh, Josh, so close. I really practiced. But <laughs> there's one more thing. Um, so that is how they determine distance, location, size. Direction. And direction. Right. Amazing.
1: And also the actual sound that they're making when they echolocate. A lot of bats fly around with their mouths open. Yeah. And they look like they're just kind of slack-jawed yokels. Yeah, yeah. Well, it turns out they're making their echolocation squeaks. The whole time, again, it's just ultrasonic, which is above the human threshold of hearing, right? Yep. So it's squeaking the whole time. It's not just sitting there with its mouth agape. And some bats also, um, especially the micro bats that have the crazy nostrils that make you me gag. Yes. um, Those actually will echolocate and generate the sound through their nose.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's why they look that way. Mm -hmm. They're like little speakers.
1: (laughs) Right. So, Chuck, I think we nailed echolocation, don't you? Oh, yes. And the Doppler effect, maybe? Put that one to bed. Um, And we will talk more about bats, including their little families that they stay in, right after this.
2: Zigazoo has made me zigzag.
1: Chuck. Yes. So you talked a little bit about bats and how they love to huddle together. Yeah. And it depends on the kind of bat. Yeah. The bloodthirsty bats, vampire bats. Yeah. They actually tend to roost in small little colonies or solitarily, I believe sometimes, in like really hard to reach places. Like the Lost Boys. Yeah. 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 Like your fireplace. Yeah. I had to battle a bat once in a fireplace. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh yeah. Smoke it out?
1: Uh, I, no, oh. I, I didn't smoke it out. I put on a um leather coat over another coat, gloves. Dude, I always motorcycle love how helmet. you suit up before you do any like battle with nature. <laughs> <laughs> a laundry basket and a broom. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I lost. But um, the they they'll be by themselves usually. That's a good giveaway that you have encountered a, a blood sucking bat. The um, hippie uh, herbivore bats, those tend to congregate in enormous colonies. Yeah. Some often com- composed of millions of bats. Millions. Yeah.
0: Pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, they, we, well, you mentioned that they, they do all this feeding and activity at dawn, dusk, and overnight. Yeah. Because they will um, get eaten by hawks and falcons and things during the day. Uh, And other predators, too. So they like to stay away during the day and and hide out, like you said, in caves, dark places, sure, under bridges. We'll talk about Austin in a bit.
1: Right. Hawks don't typically go into caves. They hang out in trees. So bats go off and spend their days sleeping in caves.
0: Upside down.
1: Upside down, and you were saying earlier that you were excited about talking about that, and I understand why.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, uh, the reason they hang upside down is not to look creepy. Uh, it's because that's the way that they launch themselves to fly.
1: Right, and when they're sleeping upside down, they're able to sleep, you would think that, well, yeah, if you're like hanging on to something upside down... You get tired. Yeah, you've got to really tense your muscles. Not with the bats. You would... If
0: you were doing that... This is the fact of the show for me. I think you should take it. Well, you're right. If I was hanging upside down, I would not last very long because... <laughs> I wouldn't last a second. A, I would be clenched... Well, I, we couldn't even hang upside down because we'd be using our hands. And all the blood
1: would rush to your head, too, and you'd just pass out. It'd be really uncomfortable.
0: That's right. But what would happen if we were to try to do that or, like, to try to do a pull-up, let's say, uh-huh. is we would, you know, clench our fist around something which contracts muscles, which... Uh, Are attached to your fingers by tendons. It's all one big uh, connection, series of connections, right? To to hang on to something, to clasp something, or to grab that coffee cup.
1: Exactly, and you're exerting energy by by contracting your muscle, right? That's right. With a bat, that's not the case at all.
0: No, their tendons are only connected to the upper body. No muscle involved whatsoever.
1: Right. So when they're hanging upside down, their upper body is pulling down on their tendons. Which means their claws close, yeah, onto whatever they're hanging from.
0: Yeah, it's like it's it's gravity, coupled with a, just a, a reaction, like a, a literally a physical reaction from pulling that bat will make those claws close. Exactly. So it requires no energy whatsoever, right? Or talons, I guess we should say, right? Yeah,
1: and it, it, but it requires no energy, none whatsoever. And bats will actually. Like, they'll die in that position sometimes.
0: Yeah. So what they do is they'll fly up to this thing. They will initially clasp it with their claws and then relax. And when they relax, they hang, which makes them clamp down really hard. And like you said, when the, if they die hanging there, they will stay hanging there.
1: And they can go to sleep. That's yeah. where they sleep. So um, one of the reasons why it's so important that a bat doesn't have to expend any energy while it's upside down is because they're mammals. Which means that they are warm blooded, which means that they regulate their own temperature internally, right? Yeah. Which requires a lot of energy. Um, that puts bats at a particular disadvantage because they fly, and that requires a ton of energy. Mammals oh, yeah. are not designed to fly, no. to generate the, the energy needed to fly. Bats can do it, but to do it, they have to enter what's called a state of torpor every day. Yeah. And, uh, basically while they're hanging upside down, they get super, super sleepy and they get, um, so sleepy that their metabolism starts to slow and their internal, their internal temperature falls and becomes about an equilibrium with the external temperature. So they go from, um, warm blooded to essentially cold blooded during a single day.
0: Yeah. Like David Blaine might. Yes, if he was preparing for like some weird stunt. Yeah, they're controlling their own internal temperature and their own metabolic rate.
1: Right. So while they're doing this, when their metabolism slows, they're using up less energy, which means that they're conserving it for when they fly later on when they go hunt. That's right. Which is pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, they can actually even uh, hibernate some bats. Yes, if they're in a region where uh, it calls for it, or they may just do like birds and migrate. Uh, to warmer climes.
1: There's a lot of different bats and a lot of different things
0: that bats do. <laughs> is that going to be our little tag, maybe this episode? Uh, all right. Well, let's talk a little uh, bat. Um, let's call this fact and fiction, since that's what this section is called in the article. Okay. <laughs> Pretty original. Um, like we said, their leathery wings and their weird faces and their resemblance to ghouls and demons make them vilified, yeah. but bats are our friends because they eat tons and tons of insects. Literally tons. Yeah. What Uh, what was the stat on that? um, There is 1,200 mosquitoes in an hour. One bat.
1: That's a little brown bat in North America. It's the most common North American bat species. 1,200 mosquitoes in an hour, which you say, who cares? There's trillions and... Trillions of mosquitoes. A lot Doesn't of bats matter. Too. Well, there are a lot of bats. That's right. Um, there's a bat cave in, in Brocken Cave or Bracken Cave, Texas that has 20 million bats. It's a colony. Wow. And every night they eat 200 tons of insects. 200 tons. And a lot of those insects are, um, crop ruining insects. So farmers frequently take their hats off and wave to the bats. Hello, hello. Yeah, they do. In something of a salute, um, when the bats fly by. Yeah. Have you ever seen a farmer do that to a bat?
0: Yeah. He's it's pumping, a really... He's pumping Roundup in one hand and waving at the yeah. bats in the other. It's
1: neat. It'll bring a little tear to your eye. Uh,
0: they are plant pollinators, like we said. They will go in and um, gather nectar. And uh, when they do this, they get pollen on their bodies. When they fly away, they spread that pollen. Right. So specifically, um, they're pollinators of uh, bananas, figs, mangoes, cashews, and agave. So if you are hammered on tequila right now... Think a
1: bat. Think a bat. And you mentioned that um, colony in Texas, in Austin, right?
0: Yeah, under the uh, Congress Avenue Bridge. Very famous spot uh, to... In fact, it's, it's a big tourist attraction now that yes. they've embraced. So they're
1: bringing tourist dollars in, too. They pollinate, they eat pest bugs, and they bring in the tourists.
0: Yeah. I think some of them are Uber drivers, as well. <laughs> they just trying to eke out a living. Yep, exactly. Uh, what else? Let's talk about the guano. You know what that is. It's poop. It's bat poop. Mm-hmm. And uh, guano is uh, very rich in nitrogen and is a great fertilizer. And uh, not only that, but at one point, the U.S. Army, and even further back, the uh, Southern Army, mm-hmm. the Confederate Army, mm-hmm. I believe they're called, Used, uh, they collected bat guano to use as gunpowder and yeah. explosives.
1: They extracted the saltpeter from it. Crazy. And, uh, I had no idea.
0: Yeah. It actually extended the Civil War. Yeah. Because once all their, uh, their mm-hmm. fortifications were destroyed, they literally went and collected guano from bat caves to keep making bombs. Right. I don't know about bombs, but gunpowder.
1: And again, it is also like a top notch fertilizer that's still in use today. Like you can buy bat guano. At the average nursery, probably. Um, and not, it wasn't bat guano, but bird guano too has been used and wars have been fought over it. It's such an effective Crazy. fertilizer and power energy source. Um, that, yeah, it's pretty interesting stuff. Go read, um, 1491 or 1493, I can't remember,
0: <laughs> talks about this. Uh, in detail. You, um, on the, on the scarier side though, you did mention vampire bats yeah. and they do feed on blood. Um, but this article is keen to point out that they are not bloodthirsty man hunters. Uh, they will. No, they're man stalkers. They'll eat a cow. And when I say eat a cow, they won't eat a cow. No, they usually. The cow doesn't even, you know, it doesn't hurt the cow that much, right? No, unless, unless the disease. cow
1: contracts an infection or something from it. Yeah. The, um, vampire bats usually need about one to two tablespoons of blood a night, which you can e- easily get from a cow without any harm to the cow as far as blood loss goes, right? Sure. And the cow typically doesn't even know what's going on because the vampire bats have very sharp teeth yeah. that um, don't really make much of a sensation going in. Yeah. And the saliva has an anticoagulant in it, so the blood just kind of trickles out and keeps yeah. coming. And then the vampire bat flies away. Um, what's interesting about them, though, is they don't fly onto you. They fly near you, and then they stalk you on all fours, oh. which makes it super creepy.
0: Yeah. Even though I love bats, a, a, a crawling bat with those wings is a little creepy. Coming to suck your blood? Yeah, yeah. Or no, it's not sucking blood. Remember, it's an anticoagulant, so it just opens it's up the vein, lapping up blood. Laps up blood.
1: Apparently, they also have a cool little um, organ in their nose. It's like a heat sensing organ, so they can find like where the blood is closest to the skin.
0: Oh, really? And then go, wow, and then go. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> let's talk about reproduction for a second. Um, they reproduce typically, uh, only once a year. Oh, bat
1: reproduction. Yeah.
0: That's... Oh, you thought of it just like us.
1: Mm-hmm. I thought you're about to sing salt and pepper.
0: <laughs> um, they reproduce typically only once a year and that makes them, uh, it's tough. They're some of the least producing mammals in, in the world. Yeah. they they produce one baby a year. Yeah. On average, some can can reproduce more. Yeah, but not it doesn't happen that much. Uh, they're called pups, which is very cute. Uh-huh. Uh, a pup weighs twenty five percent of the mother's body weight, which is remarkable.
1: The a because they often nurse while the mother's flying around. Yeah,
0: so that'd be like a hundred and twenty pound woman having a thirty pound baby.
1: Just attached to her while she's flying. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Yeah. Uh, They live, like we said, in large colonies, and um, so it's not hard to find a mate. But once uh, the females get pregnant, they tend to form a maternal colony, a maternity colony within the colony. It's pretty neat.
1: Yeah, and apparently bats are very altruistic. Like, they've recorded um, acts of bats going and bringing food back for bats who are sick in, in the colony. Yeah. That's pretty neat. That's pretty You neat. don't find that very often in
0: nature. No, not even with man. Right. <laughs> in many cases. Yeah. Uh, so they'll f- form that little maternity colony, which is super sweet, because the men don't really stick around and help raise the young. Evidently, they just do their thing, and they're gone. Um, and apparently, the colonies are uh, men tend to hang out with men, and women t- tend to hang out with women anyway. It's like an eighth grade dance in there. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so what happens is the, the women care for their offspring for a while, but they don't have a whole lot of time to do it. Um, about six weeks to four months. And then the bat is fully independent and can fly on its own, uh, which is great. And, uh, this is the second fact of the podcast to me. Okay. Uh, the female bat is so smart. They can delay their, uh, they can delay their fertilization based on like the best time to have a baby bat. Really? Yeah, so they can have the sex in the fall and hold that sperm uh, and release the sperm to meet the eggs like six months later in the spring. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That is very neat. They've learned to actually control their own cycle.
1: Have some serious willpower.
0: Well, they want to survive, you know. Yeah. They are ultimate survivors.
1: You know, bats have um, a real problem facing them right now, Chuck, with white-nosed fungus.
0: I know, and this is sort of... uh, well, it's not only a threat, but it's a bit of a mystery, isn't it? Uh, of like why it's so widespread all of a sudden? Well, it's just
1: spreading like wildfire in part because bat colonies are so huddled and close together. Sure. From what I understand, it's just the ones that hibernate that are having the problem because this white nose fungus, it is like a, it's a fungus that grows on their nose. And apparently the itch makes the bats that are hibernating wake up. And when they wake up, they're in big trouble because yeah. an animal that hibernates has just enough energy stored to make it through the hibernation period. If they wake up and blow a bunch of energy, like bringing their metabolism and body heat back up to normal levels, and then try to go back into hibernation, they'll starve to death before the winter's over. Wow! So this white fungus grows on their noses. And other parts, but typically on the nose and wakes them up and then they spend all their energy and end up dying or they die from exposure to these winter temperatures or that kind of thing. That's awful. Yeah. And apparently it is really deadly. Like some, um, hibernaculas, which is like a, a hibernating colony. Yeah. Have like a 90 to a hundred percent mortality rate when white, wow. white nose fungus gets a hold of them. Holy cow. Yeah. And it's a real problem. They don't know how to stop it.
0: Well, another real problem is in places, uh, some parts of South America, when there's a rabies um, fear going around, like yeah. an outbreak in the town, they will bomb a cave full of bats. Blow it up. They will blow it up, and let's say there's a 100,000 bats in there, and 0.5% uh, of those have rabies, so that's 500 rabid bats, they're killing off a 100,000, and then they're like, What's up with all these mosquitoes? Why do I have malaria?
1: Well, either that or the bats they go after are the ones they can easily find in caves, which are the ones that pollinate. They're not even vampire bats. So they're not getting rabies from them anyway. So they're killing a bunch of bats that aren't spreading rabies at all. Well, I mean, and leaving the ones that actually are. Right. But most pollinating bats don't come into contact with humans. Exactly. The vampire bats are the ones you would have to really worry about catching rabies from. Yeah, yeah. So they're not even getting the ones that are spreading the rabies. Just misinformation. There's one more threat from humans that started to come to shape and fruition, but didn't fully back in World War II. Did you hear about bat bombs? Uh, Nope. So there was a dude in the U.S. who had this great idea, Mm -hmm. and it was attaching incendiary bombs to bats and then releasing the bats on Japan.
0: That's a pretty good idea.
1: So this guy apparently had the ear of, and I read uh, this in an Atlantic article. Yeah. Um, this guy had the ear of Eleanor Roosevelt, and it ended up becoming like an army research project that went far enough along that there were mishaps, like uh, an airplane hangar blew up because some bats got released prematurely. A general's car blew up for the same reason. Um, and it almost happened, and then
0: they just dropped it. What did Eleanor Roosevelt have to do with it? Well, she was the... The first lady at the time. Well, I know, but since when did first ladies not could, like work with education and nutrition? Like, when would oh, she, Meg, like? when she How about bomb bats? Eleanor Roosevelt definitely
1: <laughs> was at, at, seated at, at the right hand of the seat of power. She, she was a sharp lady. Crazy. Yeah. Bat bombs.
0: Well, she wasn't that sharp.
1: She thought that was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have the impression that she was doing it as a favor, like getting this guy entree to sure. the army. The the
0: red the uh the war room
1: yeah yeah so that's uh, Eleanor Roosevelt you got anything else nope uh, if you want to know more about bats you can type that word into the search bar at howstuffworks.com dot and uh, again go look up bat eating a banana it's so adorable
0: yeah or the little baby bat burritos they have like a nurseries with a bunch of them like nursing on bottles and Man. wrapped up in little swaddles so cute very cute
1: uh and since I said adorable it's time for listener mail.
0: Uh, I'm going to call this uh, one of the, the ten people that saw us perform in Washington Square Park. Oh, yeah. The ten. Yep. So they get in any one of you. If you email us, I'll read it on the air.
1: All of them are missing time.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> long-time listener and fan here, guys. I introduced my boyfriend to the podcast as well. He saved us many hours of boredom on road trips. I have to say, the recent episode about how Nazis... Uh, attempted to invade Long Island in Florida was one of my favorites ever. We got a lot of great response from that one, yeah. by the way. Uh, I lived in uh, New York City for eight years now and spent a lovely summer days on uh, Amagansett mag, a Beach. Amagansett. Amag- Jeez. Yeah. So the thought of a U-boat rolling up there and depositing German spies with plans to attack New York is particularly chilling. Uh, my boyfriend and I attended your show in Washington Square Park. And your big live show in New York City this summer, and the latter is why I'm writing, I felt you um, should know as a result of the topic you chose for the show, uh, you cost me several nights of kitchen cleanup duty. Before the show, we were grabbing drinks next door and uh, decided to make things interesting with a little bet as to what the topic would be. Uh, We came up with six possible categories. We thought it could fall into biology, geography, history, physics, current events, and political, uh, social.
2: Uh
1: it could have fallen into three of those.
0: Yeah, and uh we're not gonna reveal it here by the way, people, no. because we're touring that same show we got at least one more to go around with in it. this fall. And uh so if you have seen the show, we're gonna say this again and again. Don't come again unless you just want to. Yeah. Some people, you know, like uh follow the Grateful Dead or Fish Around, see the same show.
1: No, they play a different show every night. That's why they follow them around. Well, not completely different every night. Pretty much different. That's impossible. No, I mean, like, they play a different show every night.
0: Well, they might alter songs, but there's no they don't have 3,000 songs. They have a lot of songs. These people see them hundreds of nights in a row. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe we have some stuff heads that want to follow us around. Yeah, maybe so. (laughs) They're all, like, driving around in vans. Yeah, we mix our show up a little bit. Sure.
1: All right. I think that's a good public announcement, though, like... Yes. What you just did.
0: So we scribbled these down on a napkin, did the draft style selection, uh, went back and forth picking categories, I had a feeling I was confident with my chances. For the moment you announced the topic, blank, I knew I'd lost. Uh, he had political, social, and current events. So that's a bit of a hint. Yes. It's not biology. Uh, anyway, guys, we really enjoyed the live shows and hope you come back to New York soon. And that is from Natalie Breitbach and her boyfriend, Hagen. Really? Yeah. Hagen? H-A-G-A-N. Hagen? Yeah, we'll go with Hagen. All right. I, I would say it should be Hagen, and if they got married, he should take her last name and be Hagen Breitbach.
1: That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. That's a great name. That, that It sounds like there's umlauts all over the place. All over. Uh, well, if you want to get in touch with us to let us know how great you thought our show is or how excited you are about seeing our show... We would like to hear from you. Uh, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash StuffYouShouldKnow. You can send us an email to StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com.
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.